0: Hi, and welcome to Crash Course Catholicism, a podcast about Catholic teaching and why it makes sense. I'm your host, Caitlin West. Alrighty, welcome to the first episode of Crash Course Catholicism. So, as I said in the kind of introductory mini episode, which, if you haven't listened to that, please listen to it because it provides important context. We're going to cover the whole Catechism of the Catholic Church, beginning with the first section, which is on the Creed. So, this first three episodes, we're going to devote entirely to the first two words of the creed, which are, I believe, okay, or we believe. And this is not my idea, okay, this is the catechism does this. The first three chapters of section one of the catechism are on these two words, I believe. And that seems like a lot, right? So kind of overkill, but it's also super important because these ideas of faith, what is faith? How do we know that God exists? That's so foundational. We need to make sure that we have that before we kind of go any further. So this first episode, we're going to talk broadly about the idea of faith, Okay, taking our points from chapter three of section one of the Catechism. And then in episode two, we're going to talk about how we can even know that God exists. And then in episode three, we'll talk about how God reveals himself to us. So these opening three episodes are kind of like an important prologue or or prelude to everything that will come afterwards. Okay. I think a really good way into thinking about this topic is via a story. Um, I find stories a good way into any, any kind of abstract philosophical topic, mostly because I, I really struggle to think in abstract ideas. And so as soon as someone kind of brings it down to earth, with like a concrete example, I'm like, Oh, okay, that makes sense now. So I hope that's helpful for you that, but I find it helpful personally. So this story um, is about Saint Augustine. If you haven't heard of him, I really recommend looking him up. He's very awesome. He was a medieval philosopher, theologian, saint, general, all-round, awesome guy. This story in particular, I- I'm not sure. I, mean, I sort of did a bit of it look um, online and I couldn't find exactly where it's from. I think it's sort of a legend, a bit of a myth. And to be honest, the truth of it really doesn't matter. It's more that it's a really helpful way into thinking about this. So you can take it or leave it in terms of the story. Okay, but the, the story goes that St. Augustine was writing a book on the Holy Trinity and he was trying to get his head around this crazy idea of there being three persons in one God. And he was like, okay, I, I, I am finding this really hard to grasp. And so he went for a walk and he's trying to mull it over and he went started walking along the beach. And as he was walking, he was thinking like, come on, I can get this, I can get this. If I just think hard enough, I will understand the Trinity once and for all. And as he was walking, um, the beach was empty, but he saw this little boy who had dug this hole in the sand and he had a bucket and he was running over to the waves and filling up the bucket with salt water and then running back to the hole and pouring it in. And St. Augustine stopped and he was like, what are you doing with that hole? (laughs) And this kid was like, oh, um, I'm going to put the ocean in this hole. And St. Augustine was like, what? What? Dude, okay, sorry, reality check You're not going to be able to fit the ocean into that hole Okay, it is way too small And apparently this kid Like stopped and looked at him dead in the eye And was like, exactly And in the same way, you will never fit the trinity Inside your head, and then disappeared I just love it. I love that story. It's like a, like a badass little angel came down and gave St. Augustine a reality check and was like, "Man, your brain is too small to fit the Trinity into." So, I like that story for a couple of reasons. It it illuminates uh, two key ideas for me. One, it shows us that faith, having faith doesn't mean that there are certain things that are just completely like illogical that make no sense whatsoever. And then we get told them and then we just have to believe it. You know, we get told that the sky is purple and we know it looks blue, but like we're being told it's purple. And we just have to have faith, just believe it. And that's often the, the objection that sort of atheists will make. that like, oh, you, this whole thing of faith, like it's just blind faith. You just believe things because someone's told you and you don't actually know what you believe. And look, there are people like that and there are instances when we might do that and that's not good that's not what we mean when we talk about the virtue of faith. What we actually mean, by the way, that actually has a name. It's called fideism. Fideism, it's kind of like gullibility really. It's putting it's sort of overemphasizing faith to the point where it becomes blind faith. Um, so that's not what we want to do. But what we really mean when we're talking about faith is that the, that these truths, some of these truths are too big to fit inside our head and this is really important to remember that this is not just some excuse that we make because like oh we don't understand these things and they don't make any sense to just well, oh, faith is too big for us so we can't fit it in our heads no no no. this is a necessary part of there being a god okay what do i mean by that well if there is a god who transcends reality, who created this world, is outside and infinitely above it, it not only makes sense, it is necessary that there are going to be some things of God that don't fit into this world and that don't fit into our heads. Because think about it, if we could fit God into our heads, we would have heads like God. And that's not, that's, that's, that's illogical. That's like a contradiction. Um, It doesn't make any sense. So it's actually necessary that there are some things that that we ultimately need to say, okay, I cannot understand this and I need to submit my, my intellect and my will to God. However, this is the second thing that this story illuminates. This kid filling up water in a hole, okay, he can't fit the whole ocean in there, but he can fit some of it in and that is not unimportant. We can understand enough of these truths to have faith. Like it's not, faith isn't like a, a square peg in a round hole that kind of like rams up against it and we're like, oh, yep, nope we're just going to have to give up on the attempt because it's never going to fit. No, it's, it's like water. Like some of it can pour in. It's just that it then overflows. There's too much of it. And that's super important that in order for us to have faith, we need to begin by having enough information that we can have faith in the rest. Okay. So how does faith actually work? The Catechism of the Catholic Church lays out a number of attributes of faith. So I'm going to go through those, but I'm going to go through them via, again, stories and allegory because I find that helpful. <laughs> so let's say, let's say that you have a friend who has never been to the ocean. I'm sticking with this ocean metaphor, by the way, because it's, it's working for me. So you have this friend, never been to the ocean, and for whatever reason is never going to go to the ocean. Like maybe he lives too far away or he's an invalid or an agoraphobe or whatever it is. And he's not sure that the ocean really exists. So what do you do? Okay, you you go to the beach, you fill up your bucket of water, and then maybe you like collect some shells and some sand, um, you take a photo, and then you take all of this stuff and you go to your friend and you sit down with your friend and you say, okay, Look, here's this bucket of water. Like, this isn't the ocean, but this is like, this is a bit of it. Okay, so like, put your hand in it. Okay, it's cold. Like, taste it. It's salty. And maybe you can like, like, make little baby waves and be like, this is this is what the ocean does. It makes waves. I don't know. The ocean, the um, metaphor is starting to break down, but like, you know what I mean. So, and then you show them the sand and the shells, and then you describe the ocean. You know, and you give them all of this evidence. And they look at it all and they're like, okay, so this isn't by looking at these things, I am not going to understand everything about the ocean. There are there are gonna be things that still don't make sense to me. But there's enough here that I can look at this evidence and go, okay, I I, I, there's enough that I can believe that, that that an ocean exists. Even if I can't know everything about it, there's enough that I can have faith in this idea of an ocean. Okay. So what just happened in that scenario? A few things. The first thing was that you had to go to the ocean, take the evidence and take it to your friend. So what what does that mean? That in order for us to have faith, before anything can happen, when it comes to theological truths and our relationship with God, God has to bring that stuff to us. Like God has to take that first step. He has to initiate. Okay. So this is explained by the Catechism in point 153. It says faith is a grace. Okay. It's a grace from God. It's a free gift from God. Uh, Let's see. It says faith is a gift of God, a supernatural virtue infused by him. Before this faith can be exercised, man must have the grace of God to move and assist him. Okay. So this, like your friend who's at home wondering if an ocean exists, can't just, if you never came over and never explained any of this, just to him he can't just sit there and like conjure up the idea of the ocean and understand it in that way right there's like the story that I've heard a couple of times of like you know imagine there are like a couple of twins in the womb and they're trying to figure out what the world outside might be like and they're saying things like oh no I think it'll just it'll be like a bigger womb like there'll be you know um it'll be kind of like this but a little bit bigger and like all they have is their own frame of reference right the concept of a fridge would never and could never occur to one of those children in the womb right just independently they couldn't think up that stuff on their own so there are some things that we 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 can't comprehend until god actually intervenes and gives us those those extra kind of truths so that's the first thing that happens that's really important is necessary otherwise the rest of it is impossible okay the second thing is that our intellect is involved and that's so important. This is what separates faith from fideism, is that our brain is involved, okay? That we look at that evidence and we go, oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Like I, I, I can see the sand and I can sort of look at these things and and start to make sense of these ideas. And then the third thing is that the will is involved. Because I can imagine a version of this story, right, where you take all of this stuff to your friend, you show it to them, you explain it all, and, they, and you get to the end of it and they go, yeah, I mean, everything you're saying makes sense, but like, I ju- I'm sorry, but like the idea that there is this massive body of water with like animals and ecosystems in it, like I just can't wrap my head around it. This th- that's ridiculous. I- I'm sorry, I just can't believe it. That's totally understandable. That happens all the time. Not understand like believable. Like I do it all the time. I did it when I was smoking cigarettes, and I would see all the ads of like how like it was going to kill me, and I would be like. Like I knew that it was bad for me, but I kind of didn't, I just wouldn't accept that or I didn't for a long time. Um, I have since quit. Thank you for asking. Feeling much better now. So that's really important that our will then has to assent to it. And it's something that like we can get really frustrated with, right? When we're trying to convince someone of anything, let alone like it doesn't have to be truths of the faith, but like of anything in an argument. And they just keep being like, no, I just don't believe it. And you're like, but I've given you all the evidence. Like I've I, this is a convincing argument. Why are you not accepting it? Well, because our will is involved in that, it has to make it act like an act of faith. Okay. And then what, so those are the first three things that happen. The fourth thing is that the person who, who bring like when we bring that bucket of water to our friend we have to be credible so let's say that this person's like dumb older brother who's always having him on and mucking around and pranking him comes into his room with all the same evidence and is like oh hey look this is look there's such a thing as the ocean like look at this bucket of water like okay his brother is probably going to be like nah piss off like you're you're just having me on you do this all the time None of that is, is at all helpful if the person who's bringing us that evidence is incredible. So the Catechism talks about that as well, that ultimately, this is point um, number 156. What moves us to believe is not the fact that revealed truths appear as true and intelligible in the light of our natural reason. We believe because of the authority of God himself who reveals them, who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Okay, I want to stay with this idea for a little while, because when I first read that, I kind of balked. I was like, wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. For two reasons. Okay, the first is, I was like, wait, we're always told to believe things because of the evidence and not because someone has just told me like that's something that we hear all the time like don't be gullible and wasn't that what I was just saying like fideism is bad like you can't just believe stuff because someone tells you and now you're telling me that we have to believe things purely because of the authority of God and not because of the evidence that doesn't make any sense. And then the second thing is that, like, we always say that we don't do that. Like, that's, we always say, like, I mean, I do it all the time in conversation. I'm like, I don't just believe because someone told me to. I believe because I really considered it and blah, blah, blah. So that seems to kind of fly in the face of all of that, that we're we're believing in things just because God told us. Okay. Well, first of all, as I just said, we do need to consider the evidence. That is a hugely important, that is an attribute of faith, okay, of the virtue of faith. It is necessary. And without that, it's fideism. The evidence is important. We have to make that effort to actually understand it. In the same way that, like, in our, um, back to our ocean metaphor, that if, you know, if I went to my friend and just said, oh, the ocean exists, please just believe it on my word, then, like, that wouldn't be good, okay? But if I bring all of this evidence and I bring it to my friend and they're like, it's still a bit confusing, I kind of get it, I kind of don't get it, but look, I know you, you're my friend, you ultimately, like, You go to the beach every day, you surf every day, I trust that you are telling me the truth. And when it comes to our human relationships and human truths, we trust certain people about specific things, right? So for instance, I have never been to the United States of America, Um, but I believe that it exists because my mother was born there and so was my grandmother and they both have american accents and my mom has described her childhood home to me and my grandma has described it to me and they've told me lots of stories about the us and and ultimately i'm like okay my mom is a trustworthy person she's my mother she's got expertise she's been in the us she lived there as a child my grandma lived there her whole life so that for me is enough to trust them that, that the usa exists i also believe that cigarettes will kill me if i smoke a lot of them um And I believe that because people who have expertise in that area, who've spent their whole life studying this, have come up with this evidence and they put it into ads in nice nifty little images like dead babies that make sense to me and that get the message across. And I'm like, okay, that they have expertise in that area. I trust that they're telling me the truth. If the person who had expertise in cigarettes, though, came up to me and was like, hey, the USA exists. I don't think that would be enough for me to believe in the USA, right? Because that person doesn't have that personal relationship with me. They also maybe are not, maybe they've never been to the U S like maybe they're not an expert in that field, like not every person. And, and if my mom told me, you know, maybe when I was a little kid, if my mom said, oh, cigarettes will kill you, then I would have believed it. But when I got older, that's not enough for me. Like i I would need to then start looking for other things to affirm that because we, when we get older, we realize that not everything our mom and dad says is true. So Human beings are fallible and there are some areas where we can say, okay, I believe them because that they're a trustworthy person and they have expertise in that area. But God is the maker of all areas. (laughs) Like he is truth itself. He is the origin of the universe. So, so it's a completely different thing. It's not like he has expertise in some areas. It's like God is expertise. So I can actually trust him in all areas when, when it comes to anything he says, and if God were able to tell me something that isn't true, then he wouldn't be God. So if I have an issue with, with one of the Christian truths and I'm struggling to come to terms with it, maybe a good place to start is with my relationship with God. Just figuring out, okay, like, do I really believe that this God is truth itself? And do I believe that everything he says to me is true? Okay, I do believe that. I trust in that relationship with God. Therefore, I need to ask for help. I need to ask for light. I need to keep reading. I need to keep asking questions. But ultimately if there's something broken in my in my faith then maybe at the heart of it is that there's something broken in my relationship with god or with my belief that god is truth okay so what are some other attributes of faith one is that it has to be free and that can be the most frustrating thing especially if you're someone who you know and i think we all have this that you know you might have a friend or a family member or someone that you're close to, or that you're not close to, and you maybe you're at a dinner party. And like, it can be really frustrating when like you tell someone something that you believe is true and you tell it in a really convincing way. Like I said before, that someone can still say, no, we're all free. And if someone doesn't freely say yes, then it's not faith. And ultimately that will backfire because that's not sustainable. And in the same way with us, like if there's something that I have said, if that I've said yes to, a truth of the faith, and it's not sitting well with me, and I have don't feel like I've freely accepted it. Okay. The answer to that isn't to then just be like, oh, well, I just have to stop believing it because this is bad. I shouldn't be in this position. That's true. It is bad. You shouldn't be in that position. The answer though, isn't to just be like, oh, well, I'm going to just throw toss it in the air and forget about it. Or I'm just going to deny this now because I don't understand it and I need to be free. So if I'm not free, then I'm going to stop believing this. No, if, if there's something that isn't sitting well with you, go and figure it out, go and ask questions, go, because we, we don't need to be afraid. If God is truth, then like we're free. Like it's fine. It's okay. And if I'm genuinely seeking God really, genuinely, and I'm not secretly seeking the thing that I want to believe. If I really am seeking the truth, then like everything will be fine. Like I, I'm, it's okay to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. Please ask questions. And, 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 kind of like delve into those things that I don't understand and try to understand them better and come to a place where I feel like I freely accept these things I am free in my faith the second thing is that faith leads to action if you haven't encountered this you would have heard of this of like approaches to Christianity that say like look all that matters is that you say I believe in Jesus, I accept him as my Lord and Savior. If you say those words, it doesn't matter what you do, because you've accept. you have faith, right? Okay, that is an incoherent statement. That actually makes zero sense. Let's think about it, right? Let's say, okay, <laughs> so when I was a kid, I, I think I, it was because I watched Peter Pan or something. I got the idea into my head that like, I was like, okay, I know that mom and dad have said that like we can't fly. Like I kind of know that that like humans can't fly, but I think I reckon if I tried hard enough, I could. And so I would get like climb up on the couch when no one else was in the back room and I'd like jump off the couch and be like, come on, like if I really believe I'll fly. And then as I got older, I realized, okay, no, I, re- I, I really can't fly. <laughs> um, and now I I believe that I can't fly. If I were to say to you, no, 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 I know that I can't fly. Like, I I believe that. And then secretly, I was still, as a 27-year-old, coming home every evening and climbing up onto my bed and jumping off it and trying to fly. If you caught me doing that, probably the first thing you would think is, like, I don't think she really does believe that she can't fly. I think she thinks she can. (laughs) Or in the same way, like, to take a, a less dumb example... Sometimes you'll see someone behaving in like in a horrible way or saying something nasty about someone else or being mean or whatever. And if you know that that person is a Christian, there are times when you kind of stop and you look at them and you're like, Does he really believe that? Like, is he really a Christian? And like, I mean, it's something that I always worry about, right? That whenever I'm, I'm like, people look to you, right, and and they look at your actions, and from that, it's in the Bible, right? They they'll know that you're Christians by your love, like by the fruits of of your faith. It doesn't make any sense to say that you believe something if you don't live it. Incidentally, this is also why um, people can have faith, can be living the virtue of faith, even if they don't know who Jesus is, even if they've never heard of Christianity, okay? You can be living in the Amazon and have never heard the name Jesus and actually be living faith because, I mean, maybe you don't have the language to understand it, but you have actually encountered God. You encountered those truths. God, because, you know, as I said, it's a free gift from God. Maybe God has reached out and touched that person's life um, and introduced himself to that person, you know, um, and And they've accepted those things. And then in their conscience, they are trying their best to live in accordance with those things. Obviously, it is much harder without a a structured kind of idea of God. But at the same time, it's not impossible. And and God is God, right? Like he can. Anyway, I, I say all of this as a preamble to the next point, which is that faith is necessary for salvation, so I wanted to make that point s- straight up because it doesn't mean, yes, faith is necessary for salvation. We can't get to heaven without faith. But that doesn't mean that every person who has faith necessarily, explicitly knows the name Jesus. In the same way, it means that, like, there are plenty of people who know the name Jesus who aren't necessarily, who don't necessarily have faith. So the next attribute is that it overflows. Faith overflows. Faith overflows if we really truly believe something and we believe that it is going to bring us happiness and it's going to bring us like eternal happiness, then we want to share that with other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you know, you go up to the random chick in the gym change room and say, do you know Jesus? Which I, I mean, like that's some people have that like gift. And I'm like, look, I mean, props to you if you can get away with that. We <laughs> We knew this little girl who it's like a family legend. She went up to her uncle once and like cornered him in like the kitchen at a family function or something and was like, excuse me, why, do- why don't you go to church on Sundays? <laughs> and this kid's poor uncle was like trying to eat his Christmas lunch or whatever and was like, um, I work and I do things and I'm a grown up. And this kid was like, but Jesus died to save your sins. <laughs> And, and her uncle was like, yeah, okay. I read the paper. I know. Um, but that, I mean, like, look out of the mouths of babes, right? Like that's, that's kind of in, in some ways that's beautiful, that childlike simplicity. And sometimes we can look at kids and be like, yeah, we, we can be a little bit more like that. Sometimes we take it everything too seriously and and we're like, oh, what will that person think? But like, we just need to be simple at the same time. Like I said, like, that doesn't mean you barrel up to people and be like, do you know Jesus? (laughs) But it might mean that, like, maybe the overflow of my faith is like smiling at my neighbor or like saying hi to the person in in my class at uni or like helping someone with a bag or whatever it is that that like that faith should constantly be reaching out and bleeding into my experiences and the people and the relationships around me. If. I examine myself and find that my faith is shut away in a bubble inside me and is in its own little restricted space and it doesn't bleed into the, the world around me, then I need to work on my faith. I need to pray. I need to ask God for more faith because that's a sign that I don't have solid faith. I don't have enough faith. And I think that's something that we can that we all will see in ourselves if we examine ourselves honestly and that we can always, always, always grow in. So this is the last point, that it can be lost. Faith is a gift that we need to keep asking for. We can't get complacent and be like, oh yeah, I had the, we see that all the time, right? Especially with like conversion. We have this moment where we're like, oh my gosh, I believe. And we have, we can have these little moments like all throughout our life, right? Of conversion. But they can fade. It's so easy. It can take like, like some what. Some days you wake up and you're like, "I'm a saint. <laughs> I am so close to God," and I'm having all of these like lights from the Holy Spirit in my prayer, and then and then literally it gets to like the afternoon, and you're like, "I am the worst human alive," and I've lost all of that zeal that I had, and like, I don't even know how I had that, and like like that's kind of, that's a frivolous example, but like. But we can lose our faith okay, over time if we don't keep working on it, if we don't keep asking God for more faith, if we don't beg him for more faith all the time. So to finish up, um, I wanted to give an example of like a perfect act of faith. And this is the Annunciation when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. So if we unpack it, it's all of those elements that we talked about at the very beginning with that dumb ocean metaphor. I'm sorry I had to suffer through that. Um, but all of those elements are there. That first element, right? Of like God has to be the instigator. That Mary could never, in her own kind of experience like just from her, you know, experiences in the world, have gone, huh, you know what? I reckon I will, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow me and I will conceive and give birth to the Messiah. <laughs> like there is nothing in her human experience that could have told her that is impossible. So it was necessary, right? For an angel to appear to her and give her that information. So that's the first step. The second is that her intellect was involved. Mary asks a question. She says, okay, how does this work? She doesn't say, um, okay, that's ridiculous or like, yeah okay whatever you say that's fine like I don't I don't get it but like that's fine I'm just gonna believe because you told me no she says okay I don't really understand this can you please explain it and there's such humility in that right in just saying please can you help me understand this without getting your back up and without being like this doesn't make any sense I'm gonna shut down just humbly and without fear just asking okay I don't get this please can you help me to understand it and then the third step is her will she says yes be it done to me, um, according to your word. And that is like the crucial element, right? That she says yes. And then the fourth thing is that that whole thing, you know, of, of credibility, right? And that the person giving us that that truth needs to be a credible person. The fact that the angel Gabriel appears to our lady in when she's praying in prayer, that she has that personal relationship with God. Like it would be much harder, I think, to to accept something like that if it came out of nowhere, right? If you didn't have a personal relationship with God, and you, you like, you're doing the dishes, and suddenly there's this angel being like, "Oh, hey," be <laughs> like, "Ah, no, I'm not ready for this." Mary was in prayer; like, she had that firm relationship with God, and we see that throughout the Gospels, right? That every time something happens, Mary stores it away in her heart and meditates on it, and she's constantly trying to get closer to our Lord. Like, even though he's her son right like that's like the closest human relationship but like you know always contemplating those truths and coming to to kind of a closer understanding so we can try to imitate that and we can go to our lady and say please Mary pray for me like like ask God to give me more faith um so that I can imitate you in that uh okay all right well we did it half an hour, less than half an hour. Nailed it. Yes. I thought this was going to go for like way too long, but no, we nailed it. Good. This is a good sign of things to come. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for sticking with me and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.